Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. That offerer, that person who gave that turtle dove or gave that sheep or that oxen, whatever the offering was, and they saw the blood spilled, they would realize the price of their sins. God is saying, I want you to see the price of your sins. He's hanging on the cross. His name is Jesus. And he came to this world in the form of a child in the manger, and he came with the purpose of dying for us. And when we begin to understand that and see that, it changes us to the core. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series, he'll be reminding us that when we understand that the sole purpose of the birth of Jesus was to die for us, it will result in a holy lifestyle. If you truly understand that God loves you so much to the point of death, then it won't be so easy to live for the flesh. Those that believe that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of His birth and will ultimately fulfill the prophecies of His second coming, they will keep themselves pure just as He is pure. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Jesus was fully God and fully man, the perfect God-man. It's a mystery. Paul said, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And in John's gospel, he begins, he opens the gospel up with, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God walked among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, if you have that part of theology wrong, you have the most essential part wrong because without really knowing who Jesus is, you don't have salvation. Uh, You might have warm, fuzzy feelings. Uh, You might have religious emotions. But but you have to have the right person. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Paul wrote in the book of Colossians, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. His body was absolutely perfect. Never tainted with sin never impacted with sin. He was sinless. Uh, Think of, he never ever spoke a lie. Uh, His heart never pondered vengeful, revengeful attitudes. Never once did he cross the line from obedience to disobedience. He was perfect, absolutely perfect. Tom Hewitt said, The incarnation was a necessary means to an end, and the end was putting away of the sin of the world by the offering of the body of Christ. The text, a body you prepare for me, a sacrifice. Jesus was born to die. 
He came to the world with that purpose in mind. He came with that very objective. He was born with the shadow of the cross over the manger. He came to redeem lost humanity. Jesus had a perfect body, never committed sin, and he was completely, fully obedient to God. Something you and I could never say. His, the obedience of Christ in verse seven, and it's repeated a number of times. Then I said, here am I written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. I've come to do your will, O God. There's something that you and I have in common with every saint that has gone on before. Uh, Whether you look at Moses or Joshua, whether you look at Peter or whether you look at any of the apostles, Peter said to the Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Uh, Whether you look at John Wesley or Augustine, one of the greatest theologians in history, they all have one thing in common. They had to pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus never prayed that prayer. Uh, Psalm 51, Psalm 32, never was the pathway that he found his way to the Father with. He was absolutely sinless. The disciples lived with him. They saw him under pressure. They saw him when he was at his weakest, uh, but yet they recognized there was no sin in him. In verses five to eight to nine, in the New Living Translation, it says this, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became a source of eternal salvation for those who obey him, meaning obey Christ. Jesus Christ, He suffered, and through that path of suffering, he surrendered his will again and again and again to the Father. Now, this has special reference to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from my head. Let this cup pass. Nevertheless, your will be done. So often, our prayers... Our motives are my will, my way. But again and again, Jesus taught us how to live in this world. We are to live saying, thy will be done, not our will be done. Jesus was a model for us, and Jesus showed us how to live in this present evil world, not seeking our own purposes, our own will, our own desire, our own agenda, but surrendering that will to God. And that's what he prayed. He said, Lord, your will be done. Jesus was absolutely sinless. John the apostle who knew him well, who leaned on his bosom, said of him, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Paul the Apostle writes, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. See, if Jesus had sinned when he died on the cross, he would be dying for his own sin. But he was sinless. And when he died on the cross, 
Your sins and my sins were nailed to him. And the manger was a shadow of the cross. Jesus came to this world to die for us, to give his life for us. When you think about him being fully God and fully man, a perfect body, a sinless life, he was living that way. He was born that way for the purpose of a sacrifice. He was going to sacrifice his life on Calvary for you and for me. He was going to make it possible for us to have fellowship with God. Because Christ truly was that perfect sacrifice. In verses 8 to 9, it says, First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. In other words, what God was looking for was not the offering of animals. I mean, that was part of the law, yes. They were to do that, yes. But According to Hebrews 10, 1 to 4, it was a foreshadow. It pointed forward to the greatest sacrifice ever made. It pointed forward to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. There Christ sacrificed himself, the perfect sacrifice without sin. Every lamb, every animal that was sacrificed the sinner would come, and the throat of that lamb would be cut, the blood would spill on the altar, and that person would recognize that innocent animal is dying because I've sinned. That innocent animal is dying because my sin requires death. But that animal could never pay for man's sin. God was sending a continual message through the generations, through the centuries. One day, I'm going to provide a sacrifice, the Lamb of God, because people never fully obeyed God. Again and again, search the scriptures, whether it's Abraham or whether it's Moses, whether it's Peter or whether it's Paul, whether it's John or whether it's Andrews, whether it's you or whether it's me, we have one thing in common. We're all sinners and we need a substitute. And Jesus is that substitute. He was preparing for that day. Sin condemns the sinner to death. We deserve death. God did not want mere empty ritual. That's what the text is saying in verse 8. For he said, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. What God was saying is, though they were supposed to be a part of the religious worship, what happened was people began to substitute them for reality. They began to go through a religious ritual without the reality behind. That's the danger that you and I face. That's the danger that we face as churchgoers, where we could live lives where we never change, never obey, just it's sort of up here, but 
Maybe it's here in emotions, but, but it hasn't changed us. We just go on being the same, doing the same. And God said, no. That's not the type of worship that I want. Not a worship that's merely ritualistic. Not a worship that merely is outward, but a worship that changes people at the core of their hearts, that ignites in them holy obedience to do the will of God. See, because God wants obedience and not sacrifice. He told that to Saul through Samuel the prophet. It doesn't satisfy God that we just come in and sing nice hymns and have a good musical and, and give in the offering and, and, and read our Bibles. No, no, no. It's far, far, far more than that. It's a relationship of obeying God from the core of our hearts. In the very first sacrifices, you could see Abel and Cain Abel comes and his sacrifice is accepted. And, and it's a sacrifice of a, an animal. Cain comes and it's a sacrifice from the ground. And his sa- sacrifice is rejected. And Hebrews, the author, says the reason is this. Because Abel came in faith. He came responding to God's revelation. He came in obedience to God. His attitude was right. And God accepted that We have to be so careful that we are not merely religious people. We'll fall and slip into the Old Testament sort of mantra. In Amos chapter five, the prophet is broken and God's speaking through this broken prophet to his people. Listen to what God says in chapter five. I hate all your show and pretense. The hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I'll not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice and endless rivers of righteous living. See, that's why Jesus died for us. That we could live lives that God approves of. And not that we earn our salvation, we could never do that. Not that we are sinless, we could never be that. But that Christ is living and reigning in us. And we're moving forward in God. And it's from the heart, not just the head. What God was trying to do in us was this. Do you see the price my son is going to pay? Because for every Old Testament sacrifice, that offerer, that person who gave that turtle dove or gave that sheep or that oxen, whatever the offering was, and they saw the blood spilled, they would realize the price of their sins. God is saying, I want you to see the price of your sins. He's hanging on the cross. His name is Jesus. And he came to this world in the form of a child in the manger and he came with the purpose of dying for us and when we begin to understand that and see that it changes us to the core that's what Peter is doing and here's a great passage of scripture to meditate on to mull over in first Peter 1 18 to verse 20 for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, 
It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. When John the Baptist saw Jesus come on the scene in John 1.29, he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's Jesus that takes away the sin of the world. He is God's Lamb. I read a story that Henry Nouwen told or wrote about, a story in Paraguay. A medical doctor was speaking out against the government, speaking out about the atrocities in the government. And what the government did in Paraguay was they took his son captive, placed him in prison, and they tortured him to death. Crowds were incensed, friends were angered, and they were gonna protest in the streets, but the doctor said, no, I wanna do something different. At the funeral service, he had his son's naked body laying on the cot that he laid on in prison, a blood-soaked cot. And there, you could see the burn marks from the electrocution. There you could see the wounds inflicted on him. There you could see the burn marks from cigarettes. And they realized, what type of government do we have? What type of leaders are there? Well, what God did was he so loved the world, he sent a babe in a manger with open arms ready to embrace the world. And we see him with open arms on a cross suffering and dying because that world rejected him. You see the incredible love of God and you see the sinfulness of the human heart. God gave him, us, his best. And what did we do? We hung him on a cross. But that was all part of God's plan so that we could be reconciled to God, that we could be reconciled to our creator. When Jesus hung on that cross with arms stretched forth, he cries out, it is finished. The sacrifice is made once and for all. He reconciles man to God and man to man. He forgives sins and no more sacrifices need to be made. And if we'll obey and believe and receive, we'll have the greatest gift ever given. That's what Christmas is all about. God desires in us a a holy life. If you read Hebrews, it says in verses 9 to 10, then he said, here I am, I've come to do your will. Jesus did God's will completely, fully, perfectly. He sets aside the first to establish the second. In other words, no more offerings, no more going to the temple, no more animals killed. Jesus was slain once and for all. He was the perfect sacrifice, God's lamb. And it says, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The life that you could never live. The obedience that you could never give. 
He lived and he gave. And he said, I'll exchange with you. I'll give you the perfect life I've lived and I'll take the life that you lived and I'll suffer your punishment and I'll die on the cross for you. That's what Calvary's about. And in that manger you see the shadow of the cross. He was born to die. He was born to be a sacrifice so that we would be reconciled to God. That's the message of Christmas. No wonder why. Satan, the God of this world, wants to just distort the message so people aren't hearing and recognizing the reason for the season. And I remember a time when I would pray at the Chamber of Commerce. I remember a time when I would pray at the Senate in Albany or pray at the legislatures in Poughkeepsie. And in recent years, they said to me, and I understand this, I'm not, in recent years, they said to me, we'd like you to pray but don't mention Jesus' name. I said, I can't pray then. This year at the Christmas. This year at the Chamber of Commerce, all the schools and high schools are there and the bands and the music. And they said, well, would you pray? Would you open up in the invocation? And at first I said, sure. And then they said, well, don't mention Jesus' name. I said, well... I just can't do that. Because see, he's my redeemer. He's the reason for the season. And, and as believers, we recognize that Jesus Christ is truly the reason for the season. He hung on that cross for me. He hung on that cross for you. And we should never deny him in a world that is prodigal and that is going far away from him. We will stand up for him. When it says we're made holy, we're made holy positionally. In other words, when God looks at you, he looks at you as though Jesus had lived your life. Where Jesus, I've come to do the will of God from the time he was in the cradle to the time he went to the grave. He did the will of God completely and fully. And none of us have ever done that. And when God sees us, he says, my son, my daughter, you have done the will of God, my will, perfectly, because he sees you through the blood of Christ. He sees you through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That should inspire us to do what Paul asks us to do in the book of Romans after he talks about the mercies and the blessings of God. He says, therefore, in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Oh God, you've prepared a body for me. You were involved in my formation in the womb. Psalm 139 says, you knew my substance before it was formed. God, you have a plan for my life. And God, the purpose of my life is gonna be fulfilling that plan, fulfilling that purpose, fulfilling that design. See, the message is that Jesus Christ came to redeem us and to live for God and to do the Father's will. And he empowers us by his grace to do that, and we can't do it on our own. In verse 14, we recognize that positionally we are made holy, but also in a very practical way. It's an ongoing process until we reach heaven. For in verse 14, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 
We've all heard the cliche phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. But the question is, is he? Is Jesus the center of your life? Or is Christmas just one of the two times during the year that you visit the church? Are you part of the body of Christ? During the Christmas season, there are many opportunities to stop and reflect on the greatest gift of all. But like all gifts, it's only enjoyed when you receive it. The important part of this season is being sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you ready for the King? Have you received the upward call? We'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Pastor Ed Jones and the entire congregation here at Faith Assembly would like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.